Welcome to our live experience, the online teaching ministry of Pastor Pascal Ngui. Pastor Pascal is the senior pastor of our live Bible church, a vibrant and growing church with branches across South Africa. Pastor Pascal teaches the word of God with accuracy and power, always leaving his audience empowered, challenged and ready for change. As you listen, get ready to be blessed by the Holy Spirit. Now, let's join the message already in progress. We are starting a new series this month, uh, this month. And it's not a new series per se because you already know that this is what we are all about this month, this whole year. It's just that we have been following the leadings of the Lord as to when to actually start engaging. So we are starting this morning with go somewhere, preach somewhere. That is the title of our new service. By God's grace. Hallelujah. Tell the person next to you, go somewhere. I'm talking to you. Preach somewhere. Gone are the days when Pastor Pascal was the only preacher at ABC. I have a news for you, my neighbor. From today, God is elevating you to the dimension of a preacher. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. I want to remind you of the word God gave us for 2021. It is found in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 2. It says, preach the word. Preach the word. We have heard the word. We have listened to the word in podcast. We have attended church services and heard the preaching of the word. We have even meditated on the word, some of us. We have done all kinds of things in and around the world. But this morning, the Lord is saying to you, preach the word. The time has now come to not just listen to the word, to not just hear the word, to not just meditate on the word. The time has come to preach the word. Preach. I'm talking to you. God is saying to you, the time has come to preach the word. You must preach the word. This verse doesn't say sing songs. This verse doesn't say usher people to sit down in the church. This verse doesn't say do sound. This verse doesn't say welcome the visitors. This verse is very clear in its rendering. It says, preach the word. That is the instruction. The instruction is to preach. And the church more and more has found so many things to do. Except do this instruction. Preach. You are preaching the word this year in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, be ready. In season and out of season. That is another series on its own. So I want to focus just on the first part of this thing. Because you see, God has now unleashed us. So we are, we are, we are, we are starting. 
Do you understand? It took us three, four months to just prepare ourselves, go through, navigate through the coronavirus issues and all of that. But thank God we are back to level one and we are not going back to those level this and level that. And those waves, listen to me, the waves belong in the sea. Waves of coronavirus, they belong in the sea. They don't belong among the living. And there's no way we are going back to those wave things again. We are not getting back to serious business. Souls of men are perishing. Hallelujah. Preach the word. Tell your neighbor, preach the word. Preach the word. You will benefit so much in your life by obeying God. We will benefit so much by obeying God. Just by doing this simple instruction, preach the word. You don't know what you can unlock in your life. This one, I'm just going to give you two reasons why you must go and preach the word. Next week, I'll give you more. Hallelujah. Reason number one why you must go and preach. Go and preach. Because it's not just preaching. You have to go and preach. You have to go somewhere. And you have to preach somewhere. You have to actually stand up. This, I'm not talking about spiritual going. I'm not talking about some, some philosophical going or some, you know, intellectual. I'm talking about real physical movements that have to take place. This is not a figure of speech. Where you are saying, no, he was, he, he meant to say, there is no meant to say here. I'm not meaning to say anything. It is exactly what you are hearing. When I say go, it means you have to actually go. And when I say preach, it's not to say, you know, I think God was trying to say, or pastor meant to say. There's nothing like that. The instructions are very clear. Go preach somewhere. Hallelujah. Why must we go and preach? Number one, because Jesus himself, the person asking us to go, Jesus himself went everywhere possible that he could go to. And I told you last week that during the conference that no servant is better or greater than his master. No servant is wiser than his master. Jesus himself went. Matthew 9.35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. You see, Jesus was not a town boy only or a city boy. And this is one of the reasons why God changed the name of our church because our church used to be called Alive City Church. And I was praying one day and God told me, so you mean to say I cannot send you in a village? Because how will you go in a village and say this is Alive City Church in a village? Then God changed our name from Alive City Church, ACC, to ABC, Alive Bible Church. Because the Bible is needed in the city, the Bible is needed in the village. So Jesus went in the towns and the villages. So don't be surprised when Pastor Pascal has left the little city called Sun City and has descended into Macharora to preach the word of God. I am following the footsteps of Jesus Christ. I could have stayed here at Sun City and enjoyed the air conditioning and enjoyed the beauty of it. But that will be in contradiction with the instructions of my Lord. The Bible says Jesus went through all the towns, not few, all of them. 
and all the villages. In other words, anywhere he could go to, he went there. Teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. What a model to follow. Your Jesus was not just a city Jesus. Because some believers today, if you say to them, just go and preach in that small location there, they look, okay, how are the roads? And, and, and is there water there? If I want to, will, will, will there be proper toilets and stuff like that in that type of a place? You know, so I, you know, um, I, I will see, I'll think about it, I'll see, I'll see, I'll see. So we have condemned all those people to hell. Now, even in the city, everybody has barricaded their yard. You can't enter. So in the city, people are too busy. In the village, people are too poor. So everybody must just die and go to hell. The Bible says, go. And we're going to go. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I am going, I am going, I am going. I am going, I am going, I am going, I am going. I need to obey the word of God. Listen to me. It's about time you start obeying the word of God. It's about time you stop explaining to us uh, this and this and this. You are explaining this. You are finding a reason for this. You are always explaining. It's time to start going. There must be a time to explain and there must be a time to go. It's time to go. Hallelujah. I hope you, I'm, I'm, I'm reminding you that I have left Sun City physically. I'm not here permanently anymore. In fact, most of the people that used to be, we have all gone. Everybody has gone somewhere. Everybody, everybody has gone. Some people have moved from there to there, there to there. We are moving. We are trying to fulfill the agenda of God. Hallelujah. Acts 10.38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And guess what Jesus did after the anointing? And how he went. He went. He went. Jesus went. Where are you staying? Your Jesus went. He went about doing good. Doing good. He said, it's because the church has stayed in one place that thieves are doing bad all over the place. The church has stayed in one place. That's why all kinds of evil is taking place everywhere. And we turn around and say, oh, these kids are now in Nyaope. Eh? Because nobody went. It is the Nyaope seller that went there. We didn't go. So he went and he enticed them with the Nyaope. Oh, now kids are just being falling pregnant. You see, the problem is that you didn't go to preach to those kids. So somebody else went there and started preaching another gospel to them. That's why they are where they are. If we don't go, we shouldn't be amazed and surprised by what is going on. That's the reality. We stay comfortable in our houses. We find an excuse why we cannot go. We, I mean, we are just enjoying our lives. Let me tell you something. This pleasure will kill us. This good life we want to attain so much will destroy us. The Bible says, what to them that are at ease at Zion? 
What to them that are at ease? You are just having fun. You are just having it. I mean, your, 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 your tea is always at the right temperature. When you go to your bath, you take your time and you, you know, you don't get too hot. It's not too cold. Your house is air conditioned. You have a car from your house to the car, from the car to your workplace, from your workplace you enter. Like you don't even touch the dust. Some of you don't know the dust. You, you don't know what dust means. You've never seen dust. It's always tar roads. Your Jesus went to villages. He walked in these dusty streets to tell them about the kingdom of God. We have sat in our homes. We have sat in our little churches. We are just sitting there, turning around the same people every Sunday. Meanwhile, thousands of people are waiting for you outside there. You are sitting here in the small church with the same number of people every week, week in and week out. The Bible says he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. What does that mean? When we stop going, people remain under the power of the devil. Sicknesses remain. Family stays hostage. They remain under that oppression. Until somebody goes there and brings freedom to the people. Somebody goes and tells them, look, there is a Jesus that died and rose on the third day. That Jesus has the capacity to solve this problem. I don't have that capacity, but Jesus has empowered me to do this thing for you. I did my little research. I discovered, based on the book of Mark, Jesus travels 711 kilometers on foot in 16 cities. I'd like to give you the names of the cities Jesus traveled to. Tyre, Sidon, Bethlehem, Bethany, Jericho, Jerusalem, Emmaus, Sika, Cana, that is where he had his first miracle, Chorazin, Capernaum, Tiberius, Genezareth. Genezareth is that's where he found this man of Gadara, the madman of Gadara. He traveled just to heal that man and then he traveled back again. Then Caesarea, Gethsemane, Bethsaida, 16 cities. I didn't include the villages. I'm just taking the 16 major cities. And I'm t- let me tell you something. If you look at the map, when I look at that map, I say, I know Jesus was something else. If you see some of the cities, it's from one side of Jerusalem to the other side of Jerusalem. And he will travel them on foot. On foot. Jesus went to one garden. He went to nine homes, different homes. In that busy schedule, he visited four mountains. He visited four synagogues. I'm just talking about the book of Mark. If you go to the other gospel, you find that there's more than this. I just took one gospel because everyone gave their account to the degree he could remember. And he went to one wilderness as well. Look at your Jesus, your Jesus that you are singing songs for every day. He traveled on foot 711 kilometers. Hmm? Think about it. Think about it. From Sun City to Johannesburg International Airport, I think it's 150, 52 
kilometers. 152 kilometers. Jesus traveled on foot. 711. So you can imagine the, the how many times he will walk a distance that is similar to from here to Johannesburg on foot. Just to go and say a few words to some people. The reason why we are so comfortable is because we, we have lost touch with what Jesus has actually done. We have lost touch with the reality. We have become so comfortable where we are. The church today is a bless me club. It's a bless me club. Everybody, even you guys that are sitting there today, you are there waiting for a miracle. And the miracle is available. But let me tell you something. The real miracles are waiting for you outside that door, that, that, that hall where you are. The real miracle, the Bible says that you go and preach and I will be with you. I will confirm the word with signs and wonders. So it's when you go out that you start seeing the real power of God. The power of God, look, the Bible says you are the light of the world. Now, all of us that are in that building right now, we are all lights. Now, what can light do for another light? I mean, I bring the torch, I bring the lamp, I bring the, 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 the orca, I bring all those that I put them together. What purpose will they serve? Because they are all lights surrounded with lights in the light. Light only has its value in darkness. Light only has its purpose when a place is dark. So the Bible says that darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. But on you, the glory of God will arise. You are the light of the world, not the light of the church. You are the light of the world. You have to go in the world and shine the light. We are not the light of the church. Jesus is already the light in the church. Understand you are the light of the world. And the world is outside the church. The second reason why we have to go and preach is because going and preaching is what is expected of those who believe in the resurrection. I hope you realize that last week we said that Jesus rose from the dead. And we said that we believe it. Isn't it? We say that we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's why we are celebrating the Passover, the Easter, whatever you want to call it. We even had a whole conference called Reason. That we believe that Jesus is no more in some tomb somewhere in Israel. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. We believe it. I hope you believe such things. I hope you believe that Jesus is alive. But let me not tell you something. Those who believe that Jesus is alive, those who believe that he died and he rose on the third day, do you understand? The people who believe in such things, after they believe such things, the next thing they do, is that they go and tell the, the, the rest of the world. Mark 16. And you must understand, Mark only has 16 chapters. So we are now in Mark 16, from verse 9. <clears throat> the Bible says, When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. You know, let me tell you something. This information is so important. There is nothing the Bible puts in here for fun. 
the Bible says the first person Jesus appeared to after rising from the dead was a woman. Mary Magdalene. Then the Bible gives us more information. Out of whom he had driven seven demons. Are you with me? The Bible says after he appeared to her, look at what she did. The neighbor said, she went. She went. And told those who had been with him and who, had, and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. But I want you to understand that after she heard that Jesus was alive, the first thing she did was that she went. She didn't stay and started praising God. Oh, my Jesus is alive. My Jesus is alive. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My Jesus is alive. That is where the church is today. All we do is sing songs and worship and go home. The woman, the moment Jesus appeared to her and she realized Jesus, my Savior, is alive, people must hear about this. People must know about this. The proclamation of the gospel is what is expected of those who have believed in the resurrection. They didn't believe her. The Bible says afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them. That is other another very important information. Two of them. I'm coming back to these two things. The woman and the two of them. Now say, two of them, while they were walking in the country. You see, this one were not in the bush, in the village. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene in the city. Of Jerusalem. Then he appeared to some people in Emmaus, a countryside. These also returned and reported to the rest. Everybody that heard about the resurrection did something about it. They reported to the rest. But they did not believe them either. Can you believe? I'm talking about the followers of Jesus Christ, the apostles. A woman comes and tells them, we have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. They say, they don't believe. And two other apostles, two other disciples come and say, we have seen, they also don't believe. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleventh as they were eating. So these guys, they have heard that Jesus is risen from Mary Magdalene and from the other two disciples, it didn't move them. As a matter of fact, they had lunch. Sounds like us. Sounds just like us. They were eating and, and, and they have probably prayed, Lord, we bless this food. We appreciate you for blessing us wonderfully. I mean, thank you for the sisters that have cooked it. We are so grateful to you. Continue blessing everybody in the name of Jesus. They're about to eat. Mary Magdalene told them Jesus is risen. He didn't bash them. Two disciples came and said, he didn't bash them. They have even descended into eating. The Bible says the Lord appeared to them while they were eating. 
He rebuked them for their lack of faith. And their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He rebuked them. It's in your Bible. I'm reading Mark for you. It's in your Bible. He rebuked them. You see, just because you are saying that he is risen, or you are posting it on your Facebook page, he is risen, it doesn't mean you believe it. It doesn't mean you believe it at all. Just because you attended the risen conference doesn't mean you believe that he is risen. And this is where the church has been. The church has been there having the greatest news of life itself, but sitting on it, eating. Sitting on it, we are just sitting on it. People are telling us, look, this, the Holy Ghost is, this is the truth. Oh. People must not, no, 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 we don't believe it ourselves. We have followed Jesus, we know he's dead, it's over. We need to eat. I mean, can't we enjoy life again? So the Bible says he rebuked, I want to read it for you again. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, you only know that verse. Go into all the way and preach the gospel. But you don't know the context. I've given you the context. He was talking to his disciples after he had risen, and they didn't believe that he was he had risen. So when he came to them, he didn't say to them, Guys, you say I'm risen? Remember my teaching? This and this and that. He said, Go. What should be the response of those who believe in the resurrection? The Great Commission. The great commission in all the gospels, the great commission is delivered after the resurrection, not before the resurrection. This is the book of Mark chapter 16. You see that Jesus is telling them to go after he rose from the dead. If you come to the book of John 21, actually John has 21 chapters. So John 20, Jesus is already risen from the dead. He's saying to them in John 20 verse 21, and again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so also I am sending you. That is the great commission in John chapter 20, verse 21. Now come to the book of Matthew 28. I'm sure you understand that Matthew also only have 28 chapters. By now, we are at the last chapter of Matthew. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples from verse 18. He says to them, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Push it further to the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. The great commission 
is the direct result of the resurrection. Right after the resurrection, the next thing that was supposed to happen is that people have to start going. People have to start going. Jesus didn't say go before he rose from the dead. Jesus didn't say go when he was still with them. He sent them there and there, but he didn't really say go. But after he rose from the dead, the job that we are supposed to do when we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, all the gospels are telling you the same thing. Matthew, Mark, John. I didn't check Luke. Luke doesn't really have it much. But Matthew, Mark, and John, they all tell you the same thing. Go. And preach. Now I believe that in that Mark 16, the Lord gave us two of the greatest keys for success in the preaching of the gospel. Number one, women and the gospel. Listen to me. The Bible told us just now, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to a woman. There's a reason for that. And the reason is found just a little bit ahead. First of all, she believed. <laughs> she believed. Now, please understand that Jesus knew exactly where the 11th were when he was talking to Mary Magdalene. He knew exactly where they were. I ask you the question. The people he trained for three and a half years, they are weeping and crying that he's, he's dead. Wouldn't, I mean, if I, I had gone somewhere and my guys don't know where I am, do you think when I come back after my work, the next people to know where I am is my guys? But Jesus goes the other way. He goes to Mary Magdalene and he decides the first person to know I rose from the dead and to go and announce it will be Mary Magdalene. Will be a woman. Let me help you. Women are key in getting something going. Jesus knew this. Satan knew it too. When Satan came to the Garden of Eden, he knew what will make the thing to go. Are you listening? He knew exactly. That sometimes I used to think Satan was afraid of Adam. Listen to me. Satan who stood before Jesus Christ. After Jesus Christ fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Satan stood before Jesus and said, turn the stones into bread. Then he says to him, okay, then the Bible says he, he held Jesus and pulled Jesus to a top mountain. Satan, you are not afraid. They, this is the word of God. The man is anointed because just, just a few days earlier, the, the Bible says the heavens opened and the Holy Ghost fell on him. And he has gone and fasted and fasted for 40 days and 14 and now he's full with the Holy Ghost. Then Satan is not intimidated at all by all of those things. He is coming and he's talking to him. He's shifting him around. So stop that theology that Satan was afraid of Adam. That's why when Satan was not afraid of Jesus Christ, 
You are telling me that Satan was afraid of... No, 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 no. Satan chose the one that will go. Satan knew that if a woman, a woman carries a womb and a woman is a portal, when you want to get something, when you want something to enter the world, do you understand? When you want anything to enter this world, you need to use a person that has a womb. So for anything to enter this dimension, it, it is a woman that is needed. That Satan didn't go for the man because he has no womb. The thing Satan wanted to bring in here could not enter. He needed a person that carries a womb. And when Jesus came out of that grave, there was a womb in itself. He needed also to bring his information to this world. And he needed a person with a womb. A person that can carry the message. A person that can go with the message. Please understand there were great men of God. Peter was there. John was there. Andrew was They were all there. Jesus didn't bother them. Because he knew if this message lands on these guys, it would die. The first person to unlock this new information that I'm back. I'm entrusting it to a woman. Satan entrusted his seed to a woman. Boy, she did a good job for him. She did a good job for him. When Jesus came, he also entrusted the seed of his resurrection message to a woman. Go tell them. Go tell my disciples. Jesus, your disciples. I go tell them. I mean, it is so clear. The Bible is so clear. They didn't believe. Why? Because it was from a woman. How can we believe a woman? Look, if the Bible was written by some funny people, you were never going to see such verses in the Bible. That Jesus rose and appeared first to Mary Magdalene. A woman that out of him, seven demons came from. And the Bible is even reminding you of that. Yet she is the one he chose. Can I tell something to the ladies this morning? Listen to me. It's because you are not aware of who you are. That's why you have sat on the grace of God. Look around you. Nothing grows without women. Nothing. There's nothing. There is no family that will ever grow one step if a woman is not in that family. There is no church. There is no branch that can grow if women are sitting down. Jesus took his entire ministry and placed it in the hands of him and said, look, I believe that if you take the message, first of all, you will believe it. I mean, to prove it to you, she took the message to the men, none of them believe it. Other men came and told them the message, they didn't, they started eating. Yet a woman believed it and she started running with it. I think, I think the reason why Jesus did it is because he had a first-hand experience couple of months before this particular day with a woman called the Samaritan woman. The Bible says his disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman came. He started throwing seeds at her. And she started responding. First of all, she was opposing him. But then she started responding to the seed. 
Before you realize, she started believing he is the Messiah. Mark 16 verse 15, the Bible says, I mean, no, sorry, let me get it right, okay? Yeah, John 4, 28. Then the woman left her water pot. She came to fetch water. She encountered the water of life. She left her water pot, the thing that brought her to the well in the first place. I want to show you how women believe things. She believed in what Jesus told her more than the fact that she came to fetch water. So she abandoned the purpose. So women can easily, women are not gullible. Please understand, it's not that they are gullible. They are just very quick to believe. Most churches will find more women than men. They just believe easily. So Satan used that weakness. She left the water pot. And the Bible says, and went. She also went. She went her way into the city and said to the men, women that are talking to men, women that are evangelizing men, women that are speaking the word to men. The Bible says she said to the men, come, see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? The Bible says, then they went out of the city and came to him. If I jump to verse 39, and many of the Samaritans in that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. She testified. She became a witness. She testified. The word of a woman made many Samaritans, many Samaritans believed because of the word of a woman. A woman who had believed. The seed, the seed runs with women. Easy. God gave them a gift of talking. Women can just start talking. And I want to encourage you women, please use that gift to preach the gospel. Don't sit on the gift. Use your gift to preach the gospel. God will bless you. God will bless you. God will bless you. The Bible says, she testified, he told me all I ever did. That is a testimony. He told me all I ever did. She didn't need to know one verse. One scripture. She just said, he told me all I ever did. That's all. And people believed. By the time she's saying this thing, she told me all I ever did. She's still with a man who is not her husband. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now, say with me now. Now we believe not because of what you said. For we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Can I tell you something? When you tell them, they will first believe because of you. But over time, they will believe because of the word itself. Now, this is the shocking reality. About three or four disciples had gone to that very same city to buy bread. They came back with nobody. One woman 
enter the same city, brought the whole city out. The disciples of Jesus had gone to the very same city. All they were looking for bread. Just like after here, they are eating. They went to that city. All they went for was food. In fact, when they came back, Jesus told them, you know, guys, me, I'm eating of a certain food. You guys don't know anything about it. They couldn't understand. Jesus, what, 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 first of all, what are you talking to a woman about? What, 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 what is this now? The same woman entered this. I'm sure by the time she was coming with the people, they were all like her. Even the baker that they bought bread from was not here. He said, you guys are not serious. You allowed me to sell bread to you and you didn't tell me about this. You didn't tell me about this. But a woman, bless the name of Jesus for that woman who entered that city. And she preached the gospel. I see women entering the communities and preaching the gospel and telling people about Jesus Christ. Shamelessly, shamelessly, come and see Jesus. Come to church. Come and hear the gospel. Don't undermine yourself as a woman. I'm showing you that Jesus appeared first to a woman. First. Because he knew, if I don't start here, the thing will not enter this world. It, it's, a very, it's a very important thing. Whenever you want to start something, if you don't ensure that there's at least one woman in it, that thing will not go far. I can tell you right now. You want to start a family and you are, there, there's no woman in it. I hope you already see where you are going. You are headed. You are starting a family, but you are, you hate women. Me. No woman here. No woman here. It's the boys. The boys. The boys. That's where it's going to end. A woman must always be a part of the equation if the thing is going to go further. She must always be a part of the equation. God designed it like that. The Bible says he made them like himself. So a part of a woman is a part of God. God, it is not only the man that is like God. The Bible says he created them like himself. A woman is created like God. So you see, if you want to know God, you cannot only look at man. You have to look at man and women because both of them is combined, then you see God. It's both combined. That gives the image of God. Not only man. And not only woman. It's the two combined then you have the image of God. Clear there. I hope you're understanding me. Please, my dear sisters, realize what God has entrusted to you. Powerful stuff. Then we see that he also went to two disciples. They are now quickly talking to you about teamwork and evangelism. I spoke to you about women and evangelism. Jesus was showing us in this story that for, for this my gospel to go, there are two types of people that are needed. I need women and I need men who work in a team. Are you listening to me? Or even women who work as a team. Groups of two. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. Luke 10, 1 to 3. 
after this. You see, everything God did after the resurrection, he tried it before the resurrection. And he saw the results. So after the resurrection, he went straight to what works. Straight. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two. Ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the field. Then he said, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Go. Oh, pastor, you know, I don't know how to talk. God is aware that you are a lamb among wolves. He says, he still says, go. He's got it under control. Why does God show us this? Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 10. Two are better than one. If you're going to be, if we, if we as ABC are going to be successful in evangelism, to going out. The reason why some of you are afraid to go out because you are, you are thinking of going alone. And when you think of yourself going alone, you are already thinking, I don't know this, I don't know this, I don't know this, I don't know this. Then you become discouraged. Jesus appeared to a woman and he appeared to two disciples. And we see in his life before his death that he was sending them two by two. Two by two. You are not wiser than Jesus. We are not wiser than Jesus. If Jesus sent people two by two, you are going alone. Don't be surprised when your things are not working. Don't be surprised when your things are not working. He says two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their labor. There is a good reward. When we work together, two people going out together for evangelism, I'm telling you over a certain period of time, they will start seeing the rewards. Why? For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. If we're going to win in doing this job of going and preaching, we're going to first find companions to go with. You're going to need a companion. You can't just go. You need to go the right way. Go with a companion. Go with somebody that when you fall, they can lift you up. Maybe, maybe you miss a scripture. Maybe they manage to remember that scripture. Or maybe somebody was about to start deviating you and they interject it. Like, you see, when in the Bible says, in the, in the same uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12, it says, Though one may be overpowered by another, but two can withstand him. This is one of the number one reasons why people don't succeed in evangelism. Because you go out there, then one person starts bombarding you certain questions and just start malaxing you and, and you are just speechless. But imagine if you are two. When you are two, even if you don't, even if the two of you don't have answers, at least you have each other. You don't have the answers, but you have each other. But the Bible says that a trick fault cord is not quickly broken. So when you are two, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, I am in the midst of them. So when you are two, you invoke the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the third person comes in the picture and says, excuse me sir, what you are saying is wrong. But you are always alone. You are not creating fellowship. That's why the Holy Ghost can't even help you sometimes. Have a companion to go out with. 
have somebody find a companion in the church and have a day you are praying and fasting for your evangelism work and then start, you will see the rewards of your work. He spoke to a woman, he appeared to a woman and he appeared to a team of two. That's the key. That's the key. That's the key. Now let's see what happened to those 72 he sent out. Let's jump to verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy. You see that? He sent them two by two. They didn't return with oppression and depression and confusion. They returned with joy. They returned with joy. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even the demons. They started saying things they never thought they could see. They were together. And the Lord Jesus told them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority over snakes and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy because you have gone where I sent you to go. I'm giving you power. I'm giving you authority. He didn't say this to people who are sitting at home. He is speaking to people he sent and they came with a report and because they have gone, the first thing he asked them to do, they now qualify for authority. Please understand, not everybody qualifies for authority because not everybody will use authority the right way. So Jesus was not getting ready to promote these guys because they had gone out, they had gone to preach, they had gone to do what he asked them to go and do, and they won in their battle. So now they are coming. He says, I'm giving you now authority. I'm, I'm increasing you. I'm increasing you. Do you now understand why you are lacking power? God is not seeing you faithful for authority. He's not seeing you trustworthy to give you greater things because you are never going anywhere he's sending you. Why must he empower you? God has given you authority because he knows as you keep going out, you'll find opposition. But if you are in the house, who will oppose you? So you don't need power. You don't need authority. You don't need it. He says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you know how many things are hurting people that are always at home? They are hurt left, right and center. Broken hearted, hurt by this, hurt by that, always hurt because they are not going anywhere. The Bible says nothing will hurt you. This verse is for people who have gone. This verse is for people that are going. Please understand that not every verse applies for everybody in the Bible. Not every verse applies for everybody. There are some verses that apply only for people that are doing certain things. For example, we've been quoting this verse, no weapon fashion against which shall prosper. That verse is not for every Christian. The Bible says this is the heritage of the servants of God. If you are not a servant of God, weapons will prosper before you. You will see them prospering. And I'm sure you have seen a lot of them prospering. You thought it would not work. It worked. It worked practically. It worked. Because you are not serving God. The Bible says thou shalt serve the Lord thy God. He shall bless your bread and your water. Not every verse is for everybody. I just see people claiming verses. You see, I've given you authority. Who is he talking to? He's talking to people who he sent. And they went. And they are coming back with a report. Nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, rejoice not of this. That spirits are subject to you. Who are people's spirits get subject to? People. 
people who have obeyed the voice of the Father of all spirits. They are the ones that spirits will subject. People, spirits understand authority very well. If you are under authority, they will be under your authority. If your commander-in-chief said go and you didn't go, they cannot follow you. Because you yourself, you are not following your commander-in-chief. So why must they listen to you? The centurion said, I am a man under authority and I have people under me. I said to one go and he goes. Why? Because when my commander says to me, go, I go. I go. Are you here? We are closing. The Bible says, rather rejoice that your names are written in Whose names are written in heaven? Another verse that does not apply to everybody. People are just sitting there thinking that, no, you see, you know, to be sure of certain things is better than to guess work. To be sure. He is telling them, why didn't Jesus tell this thing to these people why, the whole time they are with him? He never told them your names are written in heaven. Now he's telling them, listen, actually, your names are written in heaven. That is the most important thing I want you to focus on. It's my firm belief those whose names are written in heaven are those who help other people's names be written in heaven. Those whose names are not written in heaven have no interest in helping other people's names being written in heaven. It is only what you have experienced that you can easily want to make other people experience. If your name is not written in some book, would you be inviting people to go to? Because you don't know what that means. You will never have any urge to help anybody into such direction. But if your name is somewhere and you are seeing the benefits of it, you will want other people to experience the same. You want other people to experience the same. So we are going somewhere. And we're going to preach that somewhere. This morning, I just gave you two reasons. There are so many more. Don't miss next Sunday. I will be helping you Get your foot, your, 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 your shoes on. The Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those who go about preaching the gospel. Your gospel shoes have been gathering dust for months and years now. But I see you entering that wardrobe, pulling your gospel shoes out of that place, dusting them off, wearing them again to go and gather more dust outside. For the glory of God. Hallelujah. Everybody stand on your feet and ask God for grace to go. Grace to go. Grace to go. Grace to go. Father, deliver me from anything that has stopped me from going. Open your mouth. Lord, I must go. I must go. I must go. My time has come. I need to go. I can't stay where I am. I cannot stay in the same place. When Jesus traveled 711 kilometers just to go and preach, look at the passion of your Savior. Look at the passion of your Savior. 16 cities. 16 cities. And you haven't even done one village. You haven't even done two neighborhoods. Your Savior has gone 16 cities. I'm going. I'm going. Come on. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Let this not just be empty words. Lord, give me grace and courage. First of all, I need a companion. I want to find somebody I can start going with. 
Somebody I can pray with. If you are a woman here, pray twice. Because there is a grace on your life. There is a grace on your life. That grace that God gave you to talk. Use it to preach. Use that grace to preach. Use that grace to invite people to church. Our churches must be full. They must be sit outside because of people. There are people everywhere. Where are the Marie Magdalene's? Where are the Samaritan women that will shake an entire city, that will convert an entire city for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Where are the two by twos? Where are the James and John? Where are the Peter and Andrews of this generation? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the spirit of awakening that is coming on us. We are awakened again. We are awakened in our spirits. Lord, thank you that you are sending us into the communities. The communities of Sun City. The communities of Mukwase. The communities of Macharora. The communities of Leda. All the sections in that area. All the communities of Patsima. Rustenburg. Pretoria. Johannesburg. South Africa. Africa. And the world as a large. Thank you, Father. We will play our part. I will say like Paul the Apostle. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I realized if it wasn't for the gospel, I would be on my way to hell. I cannot be ashamed of something that has taken shame away from me. I cannot be ashamed of something that has given me glory. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. My mouth will open and I will preach the gospel. I will tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Ah, we've been confessing it, but now it's time to do it. I will go somewhere. I will preach somewhere. I will lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you are watching this service this morning and you are not born again, you see, Jesus told his, his disciples, do not rejoice that demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. I want to ask you a question before I close the service. Is your name written in the book of life? If your name is not written in the book of life, I want to give you that golden opportunity this morning to have your name written in the book of life. You are watching me. You are not born again. You are saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to join the army of those who will go and talk about Jesus. But how can I talk about somebody I haven't even accepted yet? Pastor, I'm not sure where I will go if I was to die today. I came to talk to somebody like you. I came to tell you, without Jesus, please don't think twice. You are going straight to hell. I know people have told you a lot of good stories, but I came to tell you the truth, at least in love, that if Jesus does not enter your heart this morning and you die by 12 o'clock today, God forbid, you will end in hell. It's as clear as that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Please, don't let this opportunity pass you by. 
Surrender your life to him right now. Let him come into your heart. Let him help you. I'm going to count up to three. And if you are saying, Pastor, I've heard the word. There's a woman watching and saying, Pastor, I've always had a desire to do something for God, but I don't know where to start. Let's start by you giving your heart to Jesus. At the count of three. One, two, three. Please raise your right hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All of you that are raising your hands, may God bless you. Please take them, take them down. Now you are already born again. But this morning, you are revived. You are recharged. You feel that, look, I have gone astray. I want to come back to the right, the right path. I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want to say, Lord Jesus, here's my life. Use it for your glory. I want to recommit my life to Jesus. If that is you at the count of three, don't be ashamed. Raise your right hand. One, two, three. Raise it up. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. You can take your hands down. Now let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Forgive me my sins. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me. On the third day you rose again. That I might be justified. Right now, I believe my sins are forgiven. I'm justified by your blood. I'm saved. I'm restored. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. Please drop us a comment in the comment section to tell us how this message has helped you. Remember also to subscribe to receive notifications on our latest sermons. You can also watch Pastor Pascal live every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. on our church Facebook page, Alive Bible Church HQ. Or you can worship with us live in one of our branches. In Sun City, Macharora, Padima, Mukwase, Lidach, Rustenburg, and beyond. Have a blessed day. And remember, we are alive to give life.